Okay, we are continuing with the halachot of Lela Seder. Um, so I want to just finish off. We just started discussing uh, Lashio, uh, the laws of Matzah, and we discussed Shmura Matzah. So I want to go back and just discuss how much Matzah one actually has to eat on Lel HaSeder. So, if we start on page 299, the Gemara basically in Psachim Kuf Cha has a discussion. <clears throat> and the discussion is whether after the Beit HaMikdash has been destroyed and we do not have a Karman Pesach, whether Matzah is still a mitzvah from the Torah on Lel HaSeder. Says the Gemara, Amarava, Matzah, even in our times, is a mitzvah from the Torah. Umaror, the Rabbanan, but Maror is only rabbinical. Umaishna Maror, Dichtiva, Matzotum, Rorim, the Zman, the Ika Pesach, Yesh Maror, the Zman, the Leika Pesach, Leika Maror. Why is Maror different from Matzah? The reason why Maror is not a Torah obligation in today's times is because the Torah connected it to the Korban Pesach, al-matzot umarorim yochluhu, referring to you eat with it, I with the Korban Pesach, matzot and maror. So if we don't have a Korban Pesach, we don't have maror from the Torah. But in the same passage, we could also mention matzah. So that's the Gemara's question. If maror is not, is not from it on a Torah level because we don't have a Korban Pesach, the same should apply to matzah. The Gemara answers, matzah nami haktiv al-matzot umarorim. So answers the Gemara, Matzah mahada hada beikra be'erev tochlu matzot. The Torah gave a second verse to tell us our obligation of eating matzah, and that is, on this night, eat matzot, not connected to the Korban Pesach, and therefore, even in today's times, that is a Torah obligation. That's according to Rabbi. Rav Achabar Yaakov But actually, one of the Amoraim held that no. Even in today's times, even matzah is only a rabbinical obligation. We paskin, as the Rambam says, we paskin like uh, Rava, that in today's time, matzah is a Torah obligation. And as I mentioned in last week's share, the Khatam Sofer mentions that this is the only remnant of a food that we are obligated to eat from the Torah. In the times of the Beit HaMikdash, you had Korbanot, you had Truma, you had Masa, everything. You had lots of things that you were obligated to eat from the Torah. In today's times, the only thing left as an object that we are obligated to eat from the Torah is the Matzah. And therefore, it says we should try and be, <coughs> take, do, eat it in the best way possible with all the Humras, etc. Now, now that we've discussed, um, so it's a Mitzvah Doraita. How many matzahs do we hold at the beginning of the Seder? Rashi tells us, source 41, Rashi says, Afkan beprusa. You also have to break, uh, uh, the, the Gemara says it was lechem oni, right? So what's lechem oni, a poor man's bread, that it was broken, he breaks his bread. So too, the matzah we have to break. So says Rashi, we, on the broken piece of matzah, levarech alachilat matzah. We have to say the brach of Alachilat Matzah. But over and above that, Ushtei Shleimot Mighty. I need another two whole matzahs, Mishum Birkat Amotzi, for the brocha of Amotzi Lechem in Aret, the Logara Mishar Yamim Tovim. Because Lela Seder is not any worse than every Yantav. And every Yantav, we need Lechem Mishnah. So according to Rashi, we actually are holding 
two matters, two complete matters, that's for the bracha of Hamotzi, and the half a matter is for the bracha of Alachilat Matzah. So according to Rahi, we have a total tally of two and a half. According to the Rambam, the Rambam in Hilchot Chometz of Matzah, Perikhet, Halachavad, tells us, after you finish um, the Haggadah and the beginning of Hallel, Bachakach Mevarech Al Natilat Yadayim, wash our hands, Benotel Yadav Shmiyah, and we make a brocha, etc. And then he says, You take two whole matzahs. So according to the Rambam, I only take two matzahs. I break one of them, so I'm left with one and a half. So according to the Rambam, where was my lechem Mishnah? I only got one and a half. According to Rashi, I've got the half, which is the brocha of Allah Chilat Matzah, and then I need another two because of the Lechem Mishnah. The question is, according to the Rambam, where's the Lechem Mishnah? And the answer is that the Rambam says, that is my fulfillment of Lechem Mishnah, because <coughs> the Lechem Mishnah is a poor man's Lechem Mishnah. And therefore, I, I take my Lechem Mishnah and I break it, and I'm only left with one and a half. This is a big machloket between Rashi and the Rambam. And we're going to have a halachic ramification, not just between whether we do one or two, uh, two and a half or one and a half. By the way, the Vilna Gaon, Paskin like the Rambam. That we only do two and you break it and we left with one and a half. Most of the Am Yisrael follow the opinion of the Rosh. Let's see what the Rosh says. Hilchach, na'agua am lasot shalosh matzot. The Minah used to take three matzot. The second one he'll break in half. So the, the half that you broke, one half put away for as the afikoma. The other half, on the whole ones, you say hamotzi, and on the broken one, you say alachilat matzah. So far, Rashi. Shulchanach is basically Paskin and Akrash. Uh, sorry, this is not the Shulchanach, the Rosh. And then he says, Vochlan b'yachad b'chol echad kazayit. The Rosh adds something. He says, look, you have to eat a kazayit for the brocha. You said a hamotzi, eat a kazayit from that one. You said a alachilat matzah from the broken one, eat a kazayit from them and eat them together. So we've heard two chumras here that we've never seen before. All of a sudden, Instead of having to eat one kazait of matzah, now, according to the Rosh, we have to eat two kazaitim, right? One for hamotzi lechem in Eretz, and the second one for alachilat matzah. Second one, he says, you eat them together, right? It could be sakanat nefashot, you try and eat two kazaitim of matzah together. But, so look at the Bach. The Bach says as follows, Umashekatav, quoting the Rosh, she yochal kazait mikol echad, that you have to eat a kazayit from the matzah that you said amotzi lechem and a kazayit from the matzah that you said alachilat matzah. Um, we know that eating is there's no, no eating less than a kazayit. But I don't understand. Says the the fact that you said alachilat matzah, so I understand why you need a kazayit from that. Aval mina shleima shemavarech ale amotzi, 
but on the full matzah that you say hamotzi, maishna mishar pat shemavarech alav hamotzi afal pisha enoch el kazait. If I want to have a, a, a small piece of bread, less than a kazait, I still make a hamotzi lechem, right? So it's got nothing to do with a kazait. So it says the Bach, why do I have to eat a kazait just because I said a brocha hamotzi lechem in Aretz? But how do we pass them? Look at the Shulchan Aruch in Tafayin Hay. V'yochlam behaseva b'yachad kazait mikol echad. The Shulchan Aruch adopted the Chumrah of the Rosh. You have to eat a kazait from the Matzah of Alachilach Matzah and a kazait from Amotzi Lechem in Aretz and you should eat them together. V'yimeno yachol lechol shnei kazaitim b'yachad and if you can't eat them together yochal shel Amotzi Tchila b'achar kach shel Achilach Matzah. You first eat the kazait of Amotzi Lechem and then afterwards the kazait of Matzah. Now, so so basically it comes out that we thought we just have to eat the kazait of matzah, but the Shulchan Aruch is basically telling us, no, we have to eat two kazaitim. And not only that, you should preferably eat them together. Look at the Mishnah Burev, Achakach Shel Achilat Matzah, Ubediyebed, but Bediyebed, Imachal Kazait Echad, if you just ate one kazait, Meashleima Uven Meapusa Yatzah. Either from the whole matzah or from the half matzah, you have fulfilled your obligation. What's going on here? We said that there's a Torah obligation to eat a kazait of matzah. That everyone agrees. <coughs> Comes along the Rosh and says, but we have a, we, there's a chiyuv de Rabbanan to eat a kazait of matzah because he said, and on alachilak matzah. So that seems to be the second kazait is clearly a mitzvah mid Rabbanan. It's got to do with Hilchot Brachot more than anything else. But the Shulchan Aruch does Paskin there. Now, why is this important? Because clearly the first Kazayit is Midoraita, and the second Kazayit is only Midorabana. What is the shear of a Kazayit? So we discussed this, I think we discussed this last week, but I'll just uh, repeat it very briefly. There is a general argument, a Kazayit, according to the Rambam, is less than a third of an egg. Kashlish beitza. According to Tosvot, a kazayit is kachetzi beitza. It's a half an egg. So when we want to choose what the size of a kazayit is, do we go like the shear of Tosvot, which is it's half the size of an egg, or do we go like the shear of the Rambam? It's basically a third of the size of an egg. That's a huge distinction, uh, um, difference in size. And the Mishnah Brewer, we have told this earlier on, basically said, this is the rule. If it's a mitzvah d'oraita, one should be machmir and go with the bigger size of Tosvot's definition of a kazait. If it's a mitzvah d'rabanan, safek d'rabanan lahakel, and you can be lenient to go with the smaller size. Okay, That's argument number one between Tosvot and the Rabbanan. Another argument in terms of the size of matzah is as follows. The Lord of Yehuda already 200 years ago says, hold on a second, the sizes that are described in the Talmud don't match up with the size of an egg that we have today. And therefore the, the Lord of Yehuda says that the eggs that we have today are basically half the size of the eggs that we had in the times of the Talmud. So now we have two separate arguments. Argument number one, do I pass like Tosfot, that it's a half a, a kibetza, or the Rambam, it's a third. 
Argument number two is, do I pass in like the non-behuda, that basically when I define an egg, I have to double the size or not? So what do we do? So there are three basic sizes for matter. The most mahmir opinion would be to take the size of toswat, i.e. half the size of a kibetza, according to the size of the non-behuda, which would be 47 centimeter cubed, or three quarters of a machine-made matter. You know, the, the, the standard machine-made matter, three quarters of a machine-made matter would fulfill the obligation according to the most stringent, both according to Tosvot, Aliba de Norbiuna. Then there's the size of 27 centimeter cube, and that is Tosvot without the Norbiuna, i.e. Tosvot, half a kibeta, but not doubling the size. And then... There's 19 centimeters cubed, and that is the Rambam according to not the Norbiuda. Are you going according to the Rambam and we're not doubling theory? So you basically have three different sizes. Why is it important to know whether these three opinions? Because now we come back, we have to, we've just heard the Shulchan Aruch tells me that we have to eat two kazaitin. So the first kazait is Midoraita. So if it's Midoraita, for those who can, should try and eat three quarters of a machine-made matzah. That's it. If you can't, you go to a half a matzah. If you can't, you go down to a third of a matzah. I.e., those are the three shitters. But if people are able to, they should try for the maximum size. What about the second kazait? The second kazait, you can go with suffix rabbanan. Since it's only rabbinical, you can be lenient, and therefore you can go with a third of a machine-made matter. So if you eat three quarters of matter and a third of a quarter of matter, you fulfill your obligation according to everyone. Is that everyone at the Seder table? Yes, that's everyone at the Seder table. So preferably everyone should have their own three matzos? Oh, so this is a good question. It sounds like... The reason why you have to eat two kazaitim is you have to, you set a brocha on Allah on the whole one, and you have to eat a kazait from there, and you set a brocha on Allah oh, sorry, that was a motzilechim, and you set Achilat Matzah on the half one, implying that you actually have to eat from that matzah. But that means that every person has to have three matzahs in front of them, which is very difficult, right, and also very expensive. So what? how do we get around this? So it's, the minag is that everyone, basically, the balabai gives every person, a part of the matzah, of the broken matzah, and a part of the whole matzah that he said, and then everyone takes their own matzahs and uh, and, and basically is mashing to the size of two kazate. But, you're right, according to what it sounds like, that's uh, it's not ideal, but that seems to be that everyone, even the chazonish, that's how he did it, he'd say the table, and um, I think that's that's pretty much how everyone does it. There are, in, in most seders that I've been at, they usually give each family has, you know, has three. But even then, I'm not sure that you're going to have enough kazaitin uh, to, to cover it. It's not, it's not going to be enough. Okay. So that was just in terms of the halacha of how much matzah you have to, have to eat. I'll just mention one other halacha. And that is the opinion of Rabbi Yashif. Rabbi Eliashiv basically says, and I'm not fully understanding his opinion, but well, it's important to say it. He says like this. He says, if you ate three quarters of the biggest shear, three quarters of the size of machine-made matter, you've definitely fulfilled your obligation on a Torah level as the biggest shear. But there are 
on a rabbinic, according to the Rambam, there are two kazaitim in that, uh, in that three quarters. So he says, for the second kazait, you can count that three quarters to double up. That's for the big shear, and it also counts as your uh, second kazait for your small shear. Right? So if you want to rely on that opinion, and Rabbi Yashiv, you can basically one three quarters of machine-made matzah. Now remember, lechatchila, you shouldn't be eating machine-made matzah because of what we discussed in last week's share about matzah shmura, that it's definitely preferable to have handmade matzah because then it's definitely lishma. I'm just using the size of machine-made matzah, because, but, but that's the, the idea, okay? So that is definitely an opinion of Rabbi Yashi, that if a person eats three-quarters of a handmade matzah, that shear, once fulfilled, both kazaitim according to all the opinions, and it's very lachatchila. So that is the end of matzah. Let us continue to maror. Okay, so we've just mentioned that maror, the Pasuk says on page 319, So the Pasuk is clearly saying you eat the maror together with the ala'esh. It's referring to the, the Korban Pesach. So that's why the Gemara says, today that we don't have the Korban Pesach, we only have Maror Midrabanan. Our obligation to eat the Maror is only Midrabanan. Now what is the Maror? Maror is a bitter herb, but what, what specific vegetable are we referring to? So the truth is that the Gemara, the Mishnah basically gives us a few, talks about Chazeret, talks about Tamcha, gives us a few different vegetables. But the Gemara in Psachim Lametet says as follows, Amar Avoshaya, Mitzvah b'chazeret. Although you can use other vegetables, other bitter herbs, the mitzvah is to use chazeret. Also, Gemara ba'amarava my chazeret. What is chazeret? Chasa. Chasa, lettuce. My chasa. The chasa rachman Why we choose lettuce? Because Hashem, chasa has the word mercy in it. Hashem had mercy upon us. And says the Shulchan Aruch, Elu yirakot shiyotim behem yedei chobatoi. lists all the vegetables. And we said, what was chazeret? It was lettuce. And when I, uh, I don't, when I say lettuce, this is already from the Achronim, the Chacham Tzvi, the 1500s. He said that it, it is lettuce. But here comes the problem. Everyone seems to agree. All the Achronim basically seem to agree that what we call lettuce today is the chasa that the Gemara is referring to. I, what is the chazeret? It's, it's lettuce. But now the Chazonish has a, has a mission. The Chazonish said, but the lettuce that we eat today is sweet. It's not that bitter. So says the Chazonish, Most of us eat today lettuce before it has become bitter. Why? Because lettuce, the longer it stays in the ground, the more bitter it becomes. But the farmers take it out before it becomes bitter. And the lettuce that we have today is sweet. It's not included in the bitter herbs that the verse said we must eat. It is lettuce. Says the Chazonish, there are basically three time periods in the growth of a lettuce. In the beginning, while it's still growing, it becomes sweet. 
then it becomes bitter. But if you leave it too long in the ground, it actually becomes so bitter, it becomes like wormwood. It becomes inedible. So says the Chazonich, you can't, you can't wait until it becomes inedible because it says, Achila, you have to eat. But on the other hand, he holds that we can't really be Yotza with our lettuce because they take it out too early. And it has to be bitter. Now, there's a big question of whether we can fulfill our obligation with lettuce, which is sweet. The, the Chazonish basically said categorically that not, it has to be bitter. But there are Achronim that say no. And they base themselves on an understanding in the Yerushalmi. And I'll just say that we're going to give one explanation on the Yerushalmi. There are at least three explanations of how to understand this Yerushalmi. And the Chazonish didn't understand the Yerushalmi. I'm going to explain it. But this is how we're going to explain the Yerushalmi. Machazeret, Tchilata, Matok, Vesofa, Mar. In the beginning it's sweet, in the end it's bitter. In the beginning the Egyptians were very good to us, you know, bring down Yaakov and his sons, make us feel at home. So really the Yerushalmi is, is describing that this lettuce is sweet and becomes bitter, which fits very nicely with our definition of lettuce. So it seems that we're on the right track. But the Chazon If says, I'm not, I'm not denying that it's lettuce. But the problem is, is that it's sweet. And you have to wait for the lettuce to become bitter. However, says the Shulchan Aruch Harab, even though the lettuce in the times in Europe, they were not sweet. Says Shulchan Aruch it's defined as a bitter herb. Why? Because the longer it stays in the ground, it becomes bitter. And therefore, it's defined as a bitter herb, even if it is sweet. And therefore, you fulfill your obligation. Now, the Minchat Asher has a big question. Rabbi Weiss has a big question on the Chazonish. The Chazonish says, you have, it has to taste bitter. If it doesn't taste bitter, you can't fulfill the obligation. Now the Minchat Asher says, Since when does taste right, prevent a person from filling in the mitzvah? The Torah says eating. We always talk about eating. So what, a person's got a blocked nose. He's not going to be able to fulfill the obligation of, of eating maror because he can't taste it. Says the Minchat where did the Chazonish come to say that, you know, the tasty, bitter, the bitter taste is critical for, for the fulfillment of the mitzvah? Now, to defend the Chazonish, if you just skip the page, to source number 14, the Shulchan Aruch in Orachayim Tafayin Hay says as follows. How do we eat the maror? Achar kach yikach kazayit maror. Yishke'enu kulo b'charoset. And you immerse it in the charoset. V'lo yishenu b'tochoshe lo yivatel ta'am merirut. But you do not leave it there in order not to nullify the bitter taste. Umitam zen. Because of this, tzarich l'na'er ha'charoset me'alav. You have to shake off the charoset. What do you see from here? Shulchan Aruch is passing that you need to be able to taste the bitterness. That's a good proof for the Chazonish, right? But the Minchat Asher had a good question. Since when do we find this? But before the Shulchan Aruch passed it. So the Minchat Asher answers. He says as follows. Venire. 
seems to me, back uh, to source number nine, page 323. Really, you don't need to taste the flavor, the bitterness. You have to eat it in a way that theoretically, theoretically, you could taste the bitterness. And that's why you have to shake off the, the, the haroset. But not that you actually have to taste the bitterness. And because of that, he holds that since lettuce is the ikar vegetable that the Torah was describing, there's no problem eating it even if, if it is sweet. And therefore, we can fulfill our obligation. Let's move on to Korech. Um, and, and again, just the size of the uh, the size of the marrow is only midrabanan. So because it's midrabanan, so we can go with the smaller shear, which is basically if you take a big lettuce leaf, that covers the opinion. Now the Chazonish argued again, and he held that instead of using chasa, which isn't really um, bitter, rather use another vegetable mentioned in the Gemara, tamch. And he says that tamcha is basically chray. So because of that, he like he prefers tamcha. Most achronim seem to go with the ikar halacha, which is lettuce, right? Okay, moving on to um, to korech. The Gemara in Psachim Kuftet Vav, Source 18, Amru Alav Al Hillel, Shaya Korchan Bevatachat, Rochlan Shlemar Al Matzot Morim Yochlu. He used to make a whole sandwich of the matzah and the maror, and it seems that he also used to put in the karma Pesach together. That's a bit of a machloket. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Chokin Alav Chaverav Al Hillel. But the Chachamim argued with him, the Tanya Yachol Yei Korchan Bevatachat, Rochlan Kader Shlemar Rochlan. You might think that you have to eat them all together. Talmud Lomar al matzot morim yochlu afilu zevifnei atmo vezevifnei atmo. Each one independently. Now, so it comes out like this: according to Hillel, you eat them together. According to Chachamim, not. Today, that maror is neither rabbanan. Even Hillel would agree that you don't eat them together. Why? Because matzah is a Torah obligation and maror is a rabbinic obligation. You don't want the mitzvah de Rabbanan to cancel out the flavor of the mitzvah Dolaita. So even today, Hillel would agree that you eat, uh, when you eat when you eat them together, he wouldn't eat them together. He would first eat matzah, then maror, and then them together, even according to Hillel. According to everyone, this is de Rabbanan. And because it's de Rabbanan, so what size shear can you take? So you don't need to go with the big shear. You can go with the other half of matzah, which is toswat without doubling it up. Or if you need to, you go with the Rambam, which is a third of a machine-made matzah. Let's move on to Shulchan. Shulchan Orech, the meal. Now, the two halachot that are interesting regarding the meal. The Mishnah, the Mishnah in Psachim, right, in the fourth parrot says, Makom shenagu lechot sli belela psachim ochlin. Makom shenagu shelo lechol enoch. In a place where the minag was to eat roast meat, you can eat it. In the place where the minag was not to eat, you can't eat it. Why can't you eat it? Because there's a problem of eating roast meat. What are people going to think? People are going to mis, uh, misjudge and think that maybe you, the guy's eating the carbon Pesach. And he's eating it not in the walls of Yerushalayim. And he's eating it in the state of Tumah, etc., etc. And they'll think that it's permitted. So in order to stop this confusion... 
the minag, where the minag was not to eat roast, you're not allowed to have roast meat at all, because people might get confused. Based on that, says the Shulchan Aruch, Makom shenagu lechol tzli belel pesachim ochlin. Makom shenagu shelo lechol ein ochlin. Gzeira sheme yomru basar pesachu. Because it's a gzeira, perhaps people would think that this is meat of the korban pesach. The halach lemaise, the standard accepted opinion is that the minhag in all of the communities is not to eat roast meat. And here comes a very important uh, halacha. Says the Mishnah Bura, Ba'afilu What's A piece of meat that you put in a pot. Now, if you don't add other liquids like uh, gravy, etc., etc., it's only cooking in its own juices. That is called slikedar. It's, uh, it's, it's partly roasting because you didn't add liquids. But it's not completely roasting because it's in the end of the day, it's a pot. You can't eat your carbon pesach like that. Mm-hmm. Carbon pesach has to be literally on the fire. So this is still considered roasted. It's called slikedar. And for the purposes of this halacha, says the Mishnah Brewer, it would be prohibited. So no roasting unless you add um, liquids. If you add liquids to it, it's not a problem. Right? Then that would be permitted. Um, the Ramah brings another minhag, and that is the Ramah in Tafayin Vav says, You start the meal with eggs. As a remembrance of Avelut, there's a connection between Lela Seder and Tishuba. Anyone know what the connection is? It's the din of Atbash. Basically, Atbash is basically the. We learn out. That the day that Tisha B'Av falls is also the day that the, the, the day of the week that Tisha B'Av falls also will be the day of the week that Pesach falls. And there, there, there are a few correlations between different minagrims. So there seems to be a connection between Tisha B'Av and Pesach. So Zeicher La'avelot. And then he says, V'niri le'atam yishum shelel Tisha B'Av nikva belel Pesach. Because right? it's the same mark. And also, we don't have a common Pesach. Now, the Vilna Gaon goes wild. He says, to bring in Avelot on Leila Seder. He says, um, in Maserav, So, why are we eating an egg? This is representing the Korban Chagiga. In the times of Beit HaMikdash, we had two separate steaks. We had a steak of the Korban Chagigah, and then we had a steak of the Korban Pesach. That's what we are remembering. Um, <coughs> just the last halacha of the Ramah. Lo yochal velo yishteh abey yoter midai, shelo yochal ha'afikoman al achila gasa, o yishtaker v'yashen miyai. Don't eat too much, because we still have to eat the afikoman, and we still have to eat, um, and, and don't get drunk. Because you still have to finish Halal. Okay. Um, let's move on to Tzifun. Da'afi Koman. Um, da'afi Koman is basically... Why do we eat Da'afi Koman? We've already eaten our matzah. Why do we have to eat uh, another, another whole kazite of matzah? So there are three basic opinions in the Rishon. Right? Uh, but before we get there, let's read the Mishnah. Ein maftirin, the Mishnah in Psach and Kufyutet, page 329, 
אין מפטירין אחר הפסח אפי קומה. We do not מפטיר after the פסח לאפי קומה. אפי קומה literally means dessert. After eating the קורבן פסח, we do not serve דאפי קומה. We don't serve dessert. In a regular meal, you have your starters, you have your חלה, your starters, your חומץ. Then you move on to soup maybe, then you have your main course. And after your main course, you always have dessert. Says the Mishnah Lela Seder, after Karban Pesach, do not serve the Afik Koman, do not serve the dessert. Okay? That's what it means. So what we call today, the Matzah called the Afik Koman, what, what, what we really say? Since this is the last thing that we are going to eat, this is like our dessert. It's in place of the dessert, right? The shout of the Mishnah is you can't serve dessert after eating the after eating the Korban Pesach. And since we'll see one of the understandings of why we eat the matzah is uh, uh, as representing the Korban Pesach, so therefore you can't eat anything after the matzah. Yeah? Except for the two cups of wine, which is instituted by a chazal. Uh, so the question is why? We'll get to that in a moment. Okay. Now, Why do we, so why do we eat matzah specifically? We know that you can't eat anything after the common Pesach, that's what it is, but now we, the mission was already referring to when there was no common Pesach, and basically there are three opinions in the Rishonim. Opinion number one is the Rashi and Rashba. The Ikar mitzvah of the Torah of Ba'erev, Tochlu, Matzot, when is that? After the meal. What we call the Afikoman, according to Rashi and Rashbam, is the real mitzvah of the night. That's when we're eating, the, we, we fulfill the mitzvah of eating matzah. Now that's strange. Well, didn't we say alachilat matzah in the beginning of the, the meal? Says the Rashbam, it's not a kasha. I'll tell you why it's not a kasha. Nachon, what's more important? To eat the karpas, the, the potato, or to eat the marrow? Maro, it's not a mitzvah, we said it's a minag, and we're trying to work out why, maybe just to get the arousing interest of the kids. But the maro is a mitzvah midrabanan. To eat a potato is karpas, it's, it's not even a mitzvah midrabanan. Nevertheless, we said borei priyadama on the, on the karpas. So you see, the fact that you said a brocha doesn't necessarily mean that is the main food of the night. So says the Rashbam, nachon. Really, the mitzvah of alachilat matzah you fulfill when at the end of the meal when you eat the afikomah. Uh, but we read, we said alachilat matzah, correct? Because you can't start eating matzah without saying a brocha. But really, that brocha is actually going on the afikomah. The rosh says no, 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 no. The reason why we eat the matzah is because it is representing the korban pesach. Why? Because you used to eat the Karban Pesach with the matzah. Today we don't have the Karban Pesach, so at least eat the matzah. A third opinion is Tosvot. Tosvot basically says, this was a Gzaira Midrabanan, because they wanted us to end the, 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 the Su'uda, the meal, with the flavor of matzah in our mouths. So those are three different reasons. What's the practical ramification? According to Rashi and the, and the Rashbam, How much, what size matzah should I be eating when it comes to the afikoman? I should be eating the biggest size because it's the writer. 
So that means three quarters of a of a slice of a, of a, of one of those mats of machine made matter. That's what I should try and eat at the end of the meal. According to the opinion of the Rosh, that it's just some type of representing the Karma Pesach, it's clearly a mitzvah the Rabbanah. And Tosfot, that was an independent decree to have the flavor of matzah, so that's clearly me the Rabbanah, and I can go with the smaller shear. That's practical ramification number one. Practical ramification number two says the Shlach Since, according to Rashbam and Rashi, the real mitzvah of eating it is when is at the end. But I said my brocha of alachilat matzah long before the meal. I shouldn't be speaking because the brocha of alachilat matzah actually goes on the brocha of uh, goes on the eating of the afikomai and says the shlam one should not talk during the meal. Yeah, most people are not makvid about that chumrah of the shlam, and uh, they are the they said the brisker of. He basically, unless it was like divrei Torah, he wouldn't he wouldn't speak anything unnecessary during the meal because he was worried for this opinion that the alachilat matzah is actually on the mishita of Rashi and Rashma. That's the second uh, uh, practical ramification. Okay, now here comes the surprise. According to Sosofa, we've seen that the Afikoman that we assumed was Midrabanan could actually be the writer, and therefore we have to go with the bigger shir. But the Rosh actually says a new Chumrah again. If the main mitzvah of matzah is actually at the end of the meal, so we should be eating it together with maro, have a second type of maro. But I don't understand. Why should we do a, a sandwich in the beginning? A sandwich in the end should cover it. And because of that question, that what? So that was the shita of the Rosh. But now, um, Look at this last second last line. And because it's remembering the Pesach, and that's why you don't eat afterwards. Ah, you're going to toss one, it's just that you don't have any taste. Keep the taste of the matzah. According to the Rosh, it's because the Karban Pesach, you weren't allowed to eat anything after the Karban Pesach. And this represents the Karban Pesach, and that's why you're not allowed to eat anything afterwards. Now, says the Bach, we'll do it outside because we're running out of time. The Bach basically says that you have to eat two kazaitin for the afikoman. And we get to two kazaitin. He says, well, according to Rashi, it's because of Achilat Matzah. And according to the Rosh, it's because of what? It's because of Zechel Pesach. So you should have a kazait for this and a kazait for that. Look at the Shulchan Lachar gmar kol kazait kol Pesach. So the Shulchan Aruch over here, as opposed to the beginning of the meal where he said, you should eat two kazaitim, he's not going to take the chumrah and, and double it up. He says, one kazait is enough. Comes along the Mishnah so again, if you ate the bigger size or three quarters of a matzah, 
that basically, again, we could rely on Rav Yashiv and basically cover both Kazaitin, even Lechat Chila. Okay. When do we have to eat the Afikomamba? I'm going to say most of this outside because um, we're running out of time. There is a machloket when you have to eat the um, when you have to eat the pine. It says according to Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria until Chatzot. It says Vachluet Abasar Balayla Aze. Let's read it inside. It's important uh, Gemara. Brachot Teta Modalef the Tanya Vachluet Abasar Balayla Aze. Eat the meat on this night. Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria Mer Neemar Kan Balayla Beneemar Lahalan Vavarti Baeret Mitzrayim Balayla Aze. Just as over there was referring to until midnight, Afkan ad Chatzot. Amale Rabbi Akiva Avalach Neymar Bechipazon, Ad Shat Chipazon. You can eat it until the time of haste. When was the time of haste? When Amisra went out at dawn. Amanech Leku. Al Shat Chipazon, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah Safar, my Chipazon. Chipazon the Mitzrayim. What was the haste? It was the haste of the Egyptians. They were trying to chase the Jews out in the middle of the night. The Jews only decided to leave. Paro Bipijama was coming and knocking on doors, get out. But the Jews said, no, we're not going to leave like Ganavim in the middle of the night. We'll leave in the middle in the in the day, like mentioned. They went out in, during the day. The gula really started at night, but it was completed during the day. According to Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, we go according to the night. According to Rabbi, Lazar, uh, Rabbi Akiva, we go according to the day. How do we paskin? So do we paskin like Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, or do we paskin like Rabbi Akiva? In general, the rule is, halacha k'Rabbi Akiva mechavera, at least. That we always, Rabbi Akiva argues with anyone, we paskin like Rabbi Akiva. What's the problem? Stam Mishnah, Goes like Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. So, because of that, Tosvot held that maybe the Allah in this case actually follows Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. The Rambam paskened completely like the Rabbi Akiva. How do we paskin? One has to be careful, one should try and eat the matzah, the afikoman, before chatzot to fulfill the obligation according to Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. We Tosvot paskened like. Sounds like Billy Ebed, even the Shulchan Aruch, would agree that you can continue eating. Um, uh, says the Yalkut Yosef, Yisrael echol afikuman konim chatzot, Billy Ebed yotzei yedei chova gam lachar chatzot. Now, what are you allowed to drink? Okay, so after, so you have to try and be. Does anyone know when chatzot is? Um, uh, anyway, try eat it before chatzot. Now, the Shulchan Aruch, he says. That basically, um, we saw clearly you're not allowed to eat, and then there's a discussion are you allowed to drink? So, says the Shukhanaruch, you only drink water. Says the Ramah, all other drinks are basically considered wine, and it's a problem to drink wine more than the four cups. If you want, at the end of the last year, there's an excellent essay on the fifth cup. Are you allowed to eat or drink the fifth cup? Is it prohibited? Is it permitted? Is it preferred? So Rav Otniel Fendel, one of uh, our Talmudim in the Manigut program, he wrote a very uh, 
insightful essay. Uh, suggest you read it before the uh, Seder night because it gives an insight into what the mitzvah of Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim is, which we don't have time to go into. Bottom line, one shouldn't be drinking anything. However, those who are staying up to learn and carry on and they need a cup of coffee or tea, so Piske Truvot and also Yakut Yosef are lenient because it's not considered very strong and it's not going to remove the flavor. However, according to the Ashkenazi Psak, Piske Truvot says without sugar. According to Yalkut Yosef, he says you can even add sugar. That's the bit nafkamina between Sfari and Ashkenazi. Okay, I'm going to skip Barech because there's basically, or just, uh, what if a person forgot Yalevi Yavor? Yalevi Yavor, there's a famous truva of Rabbi Akiva Ega. Rabbi Akiva Ega is a big chidosh. He basically has a chidosh, and it's, 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 it's famous, why? Because it's his first truva in his, in his responsa. And it's very, it's full of lambdas. And therefore, um, in the yeshiva world, they actually learn the response of Rabbi Akiva Ega, not to learn halacha, but to learn uh, learning, right? It's really, it's, uh, it's very, it's amazing, the work of Rabbi Akiva Ega. And here he comes up with a chidush, which was not accepted by most poskim, but he comes up as well as he says, that women are not obligated in Oneg Shabbos and Oneg Yantav. It's a mitzvah assay, and basically women are only obligated in, in, in mitzvah lota assay, and Oneg, they're not obligated in, and then theoretically he said a woman could even fast on Yantav. Why is that important? Because what's the rule if a person forgot Yaleh Yavon? When do we repeat it and when do we not? The rule is, if you have to have a meal and you forgot to say then you repeat. But if you do not, you're not obligated to have a meal, and you forgot you don't repeat. Okay, that's the general rule. Says Rabbi Akiva women on Yantav, if they forget they don't repeat. Why not? Men are obligated to have a meal, but women aren't, because they aren't, they don't repeat. The exception to the rule, even according to Rabbi Akiva is Lela Pesach. Lela said that women are obligated to eat according to Rabbi Akiva uh, Why? Look at the emboldened Dim Kain. Lotay mitzvah zo adifan mikol mitzvah tasesha azman gramash and nashim peturot. Zulat, except for Lel Aleph de Pesach. The mechuyavot bematza mehekesha de kosher yeshno bemal tochal chametz. Since they have an obligation to eat matzah, because that's connected to the lota say of what? Of don't eat chametz. So therefore, they also would repeat Yalevi if they forgot. Halel on Lena Sede. Halel on Lena Sede, we'll end with this. Halel on Lena Sede is very, very interesting. There are a few um, anomalies when it comes to Lena Sede. Number one, halal, we split up. Half of what we do before the meal, half of what we do after. Halal is usually said standing. It's edut. Halal is never said at night. Mimizracha shemesh admevo'or. The Gemara learns it out from Sukkim, and it's also edut. So what's going on over here? All of the questions, and usually we say a bracha if you finish halal. And on Lena Sede, we don't make a bracha. So what's going on over here? So basically, I'm going to skip... With uh, to to the very end, the Chatam Sofer, and he explains Chatam Sofer about the Nel Pesach she shat haneis mamish al zeh neimar hashir yelachem kelad kadesh chak. 
The nature of Hallel on Leila Seder is different because it's when the time of the mitzvah actually the miracle happened and therefore it's got like the din different to all the other uh, times we say Hallel. The Ran, quoting Rav Nakra explain Rav Haigon explains it slightly different, but I don't think he's arguing with Khatam Sofer. Source 52. You don't make a bracha. By the way, that's a machloka. According to the Ramban, you do. But we pass him that you don't. We don't make a bracha. We don't say it's Kriyat Halel. Rather, it is Shira. It's a song. Now, it's not clear what he's saying. It seems that the nature of Halel on Lena Seder is different. Some have explained that as opposed to the mitzvah of, um, of reading or reciting Halel, here it has to come almost spontaneously as a feeling of Shevach Bodaya, of thanking Hashem for taking us out of Egypt. It's almost spontaneous, and therefore we do it like that. That's some, of, some explain Rav Haigon in that way. I'd like to suggest something else. I'm not sure if it's true. But it could very well be, and we'll end with this. Perhaps the Gemara in Erchin, Dafyud, gives a list of all the times you have to rasat halal. Leila said is not one of them. Because it's not a mitzvah of Leila said, it's not a mitzvah of halal, it's a mitzvah of Sipur Yetziat Mitzrayim. Sipur Yetziat Mitzrayim, and I think this is said in the name of Rav Salavetik, if it is, if it's good, take it, if it's not, then it's not his, and then when can. But Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim has to lead a person to want to thank Hashem. So Hanel is really a kium, not in Hanel, it's a kium in Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim. And that's why it's got nothing to do with the laws of Hanel, because it's not really a din in Hanel, it's a din in Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim, a spontaneous feeling of Shira that we say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Have a Chag Kasheva Sameach. There won't be a Shir uh, next week, and we'll kick off after after Pesach Bezrat Hashem. Okay. Yashar Koach. I have a question. Yeah. Regarding the 